Good day, everybody, and welcome to another broadcast of the Christian Cornerstone Ministry. Uh, today, we're going to be going over uh, the second part of uh, our identity in Christ. Now, one of the things um, uh, I want to kind of let you all know about this, uh, we're not necessarily going to be speaking all fire and brimstone. Uh, I kind of noticed that, at least, you know, my perception, I'm not sure how other people would uh, perceive this, but we're going to be getting into uh, next week our... Um, the, identif the identity of uh, a righteous person, somebody who has been born again. Uh, and then from that, we're going to go into, actually, I'm going to leave that fourth one a surprise. Um, but, uh, you know, it's important for us to recognize that as we come into the faith with Jesus Christ, there's two kinds of people in this world, according to God's standards. We've got a person who is wicked, and we've got a person who is righteous. There's no in-between. There's no, well, you know, they're, 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 they're you know, a Christian. They're, they're awesome. They're doing good deeds. But, you know, we still see some stumbling blocks. There's either righteous and wicked. Now, um, I do want to make known that I'm not saying that the, the righteous person will be sinless. But, you know, they will sin less. In fact, Paul himself, I think, is a, a great example of that. Uh, in Romans uh, chapter 7, he talks about his personal struggles that while he completely agrees 100% with the law of God um, and everything that God decrees, he still has shortcomings. So it's important to recognize that, um, that we will still have these failings. But um, before we get into this, I do want to make known, um, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but uh, we've got a gentleman uh, in Africa in which we're trying to support. Um, we've already told him, it's like, hey, you know, we're going to be able to give you this much money uh, per month out of how much we make. Um, and that's actually de de decided by how much we earn. So, um, you know, his name is Patrick. He is a minister down there. He actually has a ministry in which he founded. Um, and, and, you know, it's essentially a church. But I think specifically... Um, specifically, I believe it's more focused for the children. He's got about 40, 40 to 60 some odd children in which he cares for. And um, in his area, it is very hard for him to get the means to provide for these kids, um, as well as his own doings as well. Um, so if you guys do feel compelled to help somewhere, um, or if you feel like you could help more somewhere, whether it be, you know, what, you know, even if you're helping out with your church, I want to encourage you guys to do that. Actually, I want to encourage you if you're not already help financially with your church. If it is a sound ministry that is properly presenting the word of God, I think that, that important, I think that is uh, a number one importance, uh, that we present the word of God in its full aspect. But, um, regardless of that, if, if you are growing spiritually within your church, if you are learning more and obtaining more, and it's not just pick and choosing, uh, if, 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 the, if the ministry itself is not just picking and choosing throughout the scriptures or jumping around, but they're giving you a full detail of what's going on, I want to encourage you all to check that out and consider finan financing your church uh, in which you're a part of. And if you are already doing that, then I would ask you uh, to perhaps uh, join on board, join on board, um, and help uh, support this ministry. And, and I want to make this known: we don't keep all these finances. In fact, we're only making about uh, you know fifteen some odd dollars, uh, roughly, uh, per month. Um, and we've already agreed to give half of this uh, to this gentleman, Patrick, in Africa. So, uh, and you know, we'd like to give more to him. So, uh, we'd like to help him out. This is actually one of our first priorities. Uh, to help his ministry get established because he's got more needs than we do. Um, 
So they, uh, they need food, they need shelter, they need clothing, they need just about everything that you can possibly think of. So by partnering with uh, Christian Cornerstone Ministry, going to christiancornerstone.org, uh, going to the support us page and signing up through our Patreon uh, link, you can do so there and you can be sure that your funds will go to support him. Uh, in fact, we we're, we have a little bit of trouble uh, with uh, with the scheduling, my schedule versus his schedule, plus he's six hours ahead of us, so we're available at different times. It's hard to get back to him, but we do uh, conversate back and forth. But uh, we'll try to keep you in the loop uh, as best we can as far as updates within his ministry, uh, as far as what's going on, what he's using his finances for, and so on. So um, with that being said, this is the second part of the identity in wickedness, or the identity in Christ. I'm sorry, I'm getting the titles mixed up. Part two, identifying wickedness. Uh, and I wanna make this known, after we get done with this series, starting in February, we're gonna do something a little bit different. We're actually, uh, you know, I felt God calling me to uh, speak over the book of Romans. Um, and the interesting part about this is we're gonna go through the entire book, um, and not just the bits and pieces, not just certain passages, but we're going to start in chapter one and we're going to go all the way to the end of Romans. I do not know how long that's going to take. Uh, it might take a, a couple months. It might take the rest of the year. I don't know, but I felt that, um, you know, under the mentor in which I have been studying under, uh, this is something that he does, uh, not always uh, in detail like that, but though he does still do it, uh, he goes verse by verse, uh, which he book, and it's, I think it's important to get the, the full context of what's really going on. Um, so we're going to take that challenge, and we're going to do that, starting with the uh, book of Romans. Um, also, final announcement as we get into this, um, this, uh, this actual recording that we're doing right now, this broadcast, is uh, having the audio recorded right now. Uh, and what's going on here is we're going to be uh, attempt to put this on YouTube. My editing programs are limited right now, so I cannot promise you the, the greater quality. Uh, but we're going to try that. We're going to try to record the audio uh, and get a file in which we can stick on iTunes. Um, if that succeeds, we will continue to do this uh, through the rest of this series as well as the rest of this year and so on. If not, then we'll put that on hold, see what we can do in the future. Um, and, you know, keep in mind, we'll have to get some programs. So uh, your support would be greatly appreciated. If you'd like to join up with this ministry, please get a hold of me, christiancornerstone.org. Uh, and, you know, we can see we can fit you out. We could use a web development. We could use another person to help out with our graphics. We could use somebody to um, help with social media and so on. So uh, wherever you wherever you have any skills at that you think would be, be, be beneficial to this, uh, to this ministry, feel free to get a hold of me. Um, as we get into this, you know, I want to make this known that this uh, this title there, this series is about, uh, and grab your uh, notepad because you're going to need it. Uh, we've got a number of uh, passages here in which we're going over. Um, but uh, what we're going over here in this one here is identi identifying the wicked. Uh, and this specifically is a, uh, a piece in which I want us to... Um, be able to discern how do you know somebody from from a righteous heart to a wicked heart um, and interestingly enough I'm gonna let you all know this um, I believe the website was BibleStudyTools.com I could be wrong on that uh, but, it, but it, it came to me Monday morning to be honest Monday morning as I'm waking up I open up my phone and I see this link I see five um, I can't remember the title it was five traits or five ways to identify some a wicked person um, 
And these are five ways, and you know, this is according to the scripture. This is biblical stuff here. Um, so I thought, uh, you know, I was like, you know, this, this is not, this. I don't really see this being a coincidence that this is popping up in the same day or the, even the day after my last one, which is leading into a completer detail of identifying wickedness. So I've, I've decided to actually, instead of uh, pulling my own notes together for this, I've decided to simply use this um, because I thought they did a, a great job. Um, at providing the information, and I thought it'd, be, it'd simply be best to share it with you. Uh, now, one of the biggest things that we have that we can identify a wicked person is simply by them saying, you know, or in some way or another, I'm not the problem, but you are. Uh, you know, they, they, they don't want to take the blame. They don't want to man up and, and, and be the one that has the fault. Um, they, they try to make everybody else, uh, you know, in the wrong so that they can puff themselves up, uh, however you want to word that, however you can uh, illustrate that. That's just, this is what they do, um, you know, and it's, it's some means of retaliation, um, you know, to, you know, they feel like they're being attacked. So what they need to do is, you know, stand their ground and raise their shield and throw their sword at them or their spear. They're trying to justify themselves and to condemn others. Uh, and this is actually a human flaw. This is something in people in general um, have, uh, and it's something we need to learn to overcome, is to be willing to take the blame. In fact, I remember a, a family, um, a family uh, in which I spoke to, uh, I want to say it was about two weeks ago, uh, approximately. Um, they're having family issues. They're having uh, marriage issues. Uh, the wife himself, the wife is saying that, um, you know, he's, uh, this gentleman's always yelling. He's changed a lot. Um, he's, he's not, essentially, he's not the man that I loved when I met him. Uh, and the husband himself, he's, he's saying, you know, she's controlling. She's not letting me do any of these things and so on. I mean, they're both pointing fingers. And it, it, it's, it's understandable because these are not, these are people who are not reborn by the Spirit of God. They do not know how to take the blame for themselves. So I had to kind of help them out. You know, I started, you know, being on, uh, I, this was actually all subconscious. I wasn't really intending to do it this way, but I shared to them, I was like, okay, from your side of view, this is what's going on. I'll talk to them. And, um, you know, th from their side of the view, this is what's going on. So I'll talk to you. And it came down to it that the gentleman, um, apparently, you know, what I was seeing that, that the gentleman was part of this fault because he's, he has changed, um, and he can be pretty stubborn. Uh, there's no really domestic dispute there, but in general, there's there's the the need to always be right. Uh, in fact, he told me something along the lines of, um, "I'm not going to change unless they do," uh, and that was a general rule, not just in the relationship, but in general. Like, you know, why should I change if this person doesn't? Uh, that's you know something that he follows, and that alone shows the wicked nature of human being. It says that you know I don't you know if I'm, I'm using them if they're not willing to if they're not willing to change if they're not willing to fix their issues, then that's my justification that I don't need to change either. That I can continue to be this way. Wrongful mindset. We need to be willing to take um, we need to be willing to take the blame when we are at fault. Um, and I can remember uh, a number of times in which I've uh, uh, told a, fr a couple friends of mine actually, it's like, hey, here's the issue here, and I, you know, uh, I have this at work as well. Uh, it might happen a couple hours later, it might happen a couple days later, you know, after the conflict. But the problem is, is that it needs to be addressed and say, hey, hey, you know, I was wrong. 
Uh, I do apologize for what I said. I, you know, came out wrong, and you know, I, I misunderstood in certain areas. Uh, and that's how you can identify, you know, somebody who's a, who's got a darkened heart and somebody who's been lifted, um, and is with the kingdom of God. Now, what's interesting? I want to start off with this. This is my own commentary here, John. Chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. And again, these are actually according to the voice translation of the Bible. And starting with Romans, we're going to go into something different. My girlfriend just got me a new Bible. Um, Eastern, or it's not Eastern, uh, English Standard Version. Uh, and it is actually a John MacArthur Study Bible. I'm promoting this like crazy. I love it. Um, the language itself, the language style, is uh, something I'm still getting used to. Uh, it is something that I, um, uh, that's new to me. It's, it's different translation from uh, the voice translation, so i got to get used to that a little bit. But I love it. I love the work uh, that it has. Uh, it's got a, a bunch of commentary. Uh, like John MacArthur, uh, he does a verse-by-verse -verse, um, teaching when he does his sermons. And likewise, this book itself is destroyed, not necessarily destroyed, but he's basically done the same thing with that. He's torn apart the text in, as a means to explain everything that's going on in the text. And if you look at this, let me actually show you this real quick. Um, let me show you one of the better ones here. Uh, and what I'm reading right now, I'm currently, I'm actually reading Romans as a means to prepare for next week. But if you look at this, we have up here, this area, this is the Bible. That's it. And then everything below, I can't do this because i got papers in here. But everything below this is um, his commentary. So you've basically, and this isn't across the entire Bible, but you've got a lot here. Uh, and I want to encourage you guys to check that out. He actually has a mobile app. Uh, just look it up, Grace to You. Uh, you can look that up, in the, at least on the Apple Store. I'm not sure about the Google Play. Um, but you can look up uh, Grace to You. Uh, in the Apple Store, and you can find uh, find their study Bible uh, free of charge. But they actually do have an additional feature. If you want the complete version uh, of the hard copy of what I just showed you on your mobile device, you can do that by going to or by paying an extra five six dollars. Um, so you're basically you're getting a six dollar Bible on your phone, which as opposed to this hard copy, my personal preference actually, a hard copy that would have cost uh, thirty five forty dollars or however much it was. I don't know. So uh, I want to encourage you guys to check that out. Uh, at least get the hard copy, or at least get the digital copy. But um, starting in John chapter three, nineteen through twenty, this is this is probably my personal favorite, um, and what I would personally deem the ultimate example of the the complete description of a wicked heart. Uh, why does God allow for condom for judgment and condemnation? It is because the light, which is Jesus Christ sent from God, pierces through the world's darkness to expose ill motives, hatred, gossip, greed, light, violence, and all the like. And in, in fact, in John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, I believe, I've been quoting that quite a bit lately, that's what he says. Uh, John, John shares that Jesus' ministry, the point of it was simply to expose the works of the devil. That's why it was such a challenge. It's because he, well, he came to expose. And there was a purpose behind that, too. Um, but he, he came to expose these ill motives, these hatred, the greed, uh, the gossip, violence, and everything else that comes in between. Um, and st still, some people preferred the darkness over the light because their actions were dark. Their actions were dark, they were filled with sin, and they preferred this because they took pleasure in this. They didn't want the light to expose them. 
Uh, verse 20 here, it says, Some of humankind hated the light. Why? They hated it because they were being exposed. They were being shown that they were wrong. So because of this, because they didn't want this accountability, because they didn't want to be known that they were wrong, and they wanted to be right in their own self-righteous, pious wickedness, they scampered back into the darkness where the vices thrive and wickedness flourish. So they basically ran away from accountability, gave some sort of means to justify, I don't need to change, or I'm perfect just the way I am, um, however you would want to word that. And in fact, I'd actually probably throw in, God loves you just the way you are. Um, now, that is true to a point. As a means of salvation, as a means of repentance, you don't have to get right before you come to Jesus Christ. He will take you as you are, and he will change you. The moment you repent, you are, the moment you, you repent of a sincere heart, the moment you are born again, the moment the Holy Spirit comes upon you, at this point, God is the one that starts to do the change. He's not expecting you to change, but he's doing the change himself. This is what people don't want. They are so filled with wickedness. This is They're so filled with darkness that they don't want change. In fact, um, what we find out here, there's four points in which we want to point out in this verse alone. Number one, that condemnation is already the reality of those who are not reborn by the Holy Spirit. It is already there. Condemnation is the inheritance that we as humans get to acquire, that we have achieved because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And it is because of this that we will not enter the kingdom of God. Um, and, and this is why Jesus comes. He basically comes to say, you're sick, I'm the cure. Some people don't want to hear this, so they run away. He says, oh, you're joking. I'm not sick. I'm healthy. I don't feel sick. Uh, he says, you know, maybe it's you. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're crazy. So they run away. They walk away from him, and they don't want to hear it. Number two, the second point here. Jesus came to expose the wickedness. And as I already mentioned, uh, a reference to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, if you want to write that down and check it out in your free time, you're more than happy to. Uh, number four here, or sorry, number three. I'm getting my numbers mixed up. Uh, it says number four, number four, <laughs> number three. Point number three uh, is here that the people preferred the wickedness and they hated the life. They didn't. They hated being exposed. This is another trait of a wicked person. Uh, number one, as we said, they are condemned. Um, they, once they're being exposed, they run away because they don't want to be exposed. And as I said, the fourth point here is they're continuing in wickedness. Now, along with this article that I was uh, telling you about earlier, is uh, they've got five points here. I don't know if I put all five down here. I, I do have all five uh, shortened up, apparently. Um, but I want to I want to kind of show you what, what this is a more detailed version of wickedness. This is how you can completely see it all. Uh, this first point here is the wicked person, the evil heart, uh, they like to create confusion. Uh, they like to twist facts and even withhold information. And unfortunately, as I was writing this up, this, there's a couple, um, there's, a, there's one person in, uh, that actually that I can think of that fits the bill on all of these issues. Uh, and the scary part here is that there's a pastor in which I can see that fits some of these issues um, and you know also keeping in mind that some of this is also a flaw with human nature um, that we're never going to be perfect 
Um, I wouldn't necessarily say twisting the facts. Uh, we, there's some, maybe some cases which some people would withhold information. Very dangerous thing to do um, because they would perceive that, perceive you to be a liar or once found out you would be accused of being a liar. Uh, flattering with words. We'll get into the rest later. Um, but they'd like to twist facts. We find this out in Acts 6 verse 11. Uh, through 13 and this is actually happening after Stephen has already performed miracles in front of the people He's already been a witness to the divine power of God and it says here in retaliation. They spread a vicious rumor We heard Stephen speaking. These are the people who are spreading these rumors. It says we've heard Stephen speaking blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry against Moses and against God and, and they're trying to, you know, bring this as like, he's not of God. He's just using this to try to get you guys, you know, to, to follow his call. This is what he's doing. We've heard him speaking lies. We've heard him speaking uh, uh, against what Moses has to teach and against what God has. And uh, verse 12 here says, their rumor prompted an uprising that included common people. You know, these just common folks, not just the pious, not just the religious folks. Um, not just the, the rich folks, but just the general average Joe. It, 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 this uprising included the common people, and it included religious officials, and it included scholars, the educated. And they and these people, all these people, they surprised Stephen, and they grabbed him. And this isn't just one or two people. This is an entire mob, possibly tens or possibly even a hundred people or so. Um, they grabbed Stephen, and they hauled him before the council. And before the council, they convinced some witnesses, listen to this, they convinced some witnesses to give false testimony. So not only does the wicked person create confusion and twist facts um, by, you know, what we're saying here, it's giving uh, false accusations uh, to Stephen, or more importantly, to a righteous man or to a person in general, but they also find some means to find others in order to join in in this. Um, by perhaps withholding this information to get this sec uh, the second party involved in only giving you part of the information to testify, even though they've got no clue. But as it says here, they've convinced some people or some witnesses to give false testimony. So they've convinced others to lie. Um, and these false witnesses, what they say here is, is that, that this fellow constantly degrades the holy temple and mocks our law. These are the same tactics in which they did with Jesus Christ, but the accusations could not match up. How it happened with uh, Stephen, we don't know, but we do know that they ended up stoning him and killing him. Uh, Matthew 12, uh, 34. Matthew 12, verse 34. It says, these are the words of Jesus Christ. And again, this is the same issue. He was accused of blasphemy. He was accused of doing the work by uh, Beelzebul. Uh, I don't necessarily think that was in this, uh, t in this text. But, um, actually, I do believe it is. Uh, we'll get back to that. I got a different Bible open here, so I don't know. Um, I got to find it in there. Anyways, um, Matthew 12, 14. This is the words of Jesus Christ. It says, you children of snakes, you who are evil, how could you possibly say anything good? For the mouth simply shapes the heart's impulses into words. And I think that's important to recognize. What Jesus is saying is, the words that you speak, they come from your heart. Um, now, one of the things, a little side note here is, uh, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not a person who drinks, but you, you hear somebody who says, is like, you know, well, I was drunk. I didn't mean what I said. Um, but you know, I've experienced what it means to be drunk in the past. And I can say everything that I've said, you know, at least to my memory, um, 
when I when I used to drink, I, I the stuff that I remember saying, I meant a hundred percent. Um, and I don't think it hinders us. I think it actually brings out what's in our hearts, what we want to say, but you know, we don't have any means, you know, we want to use this drunken state to justify it's like, oh, I didn't mean it. You know how it is when you get drunk. It's like, I, I mean, I do. I meant every single word of whatever it was that I said. Um, so I don't necessarily think we can do that. I don't think we can use that as a means to, uh, to say, because the words that we speak, we mean it. And even when we're angry, we might say some things that are kind of hurtful. Um, there are, so there are moments when you are angry that you say stuff just to be hurtful, just to, just to make somebody else cry or, or, or just to get somebody to shut up, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes you go overboard with that, but what it really comes down to it is we say some of the things, some of the stuff in which we do say, we mean it. Um, and this is what Jesus Christ is saying here. I remember a couple years ago, I was uh, listening to Chuck Swindoll. I haven't listened to much of his work lately, but one of the things in which he mentions is, um, a, a concept of a well in a bucket. He heard that he actually, if I remember right, he actually heard this from a friend of his or somebody else. And the idea is it, is that the heart itself is the well. Uh, the well itself having all the waters in it and everything. And if it's, uh, you know, if it's pure, if it's awesome, then, you know, congratulations. The stuff that's coming out of this bucket that you're picking up in this bucket is going to be good and pure. Uh, and likewise, the same can be said about the human heart. The human heart is the well. And uh, the mouth, the words we say is the bucket. Uh, the words that come out is, is the water that comes from the well. If the well itself is pure, if the well itself is good uh, and clean and healthy, so will words be. So will, be, so will what is in the bucket. Um, and likewise, if it is a dirty, tainted, uh, polluted, dangerous, uh, dangerous to consume well, then the water that comes up from the bucket or in the bucket will too be dangerous and hazardous and it will be impure. So it's very important to recognize the words that we speak because these words that we speak reflect what is truly in our hearts. Now, number two here, it says that the, the, the wicked man, the, uh, the evil heart um, is a fool. They will fool with flattering words. They will use smoke and mirrors. Romans 16, 17 through 18, this, this is Romans chapter 16, verse 17 through verse 18. It says, I am pleading with you, with all of you, brothers and sisters, everybody on both sides of the, you know, on the Christian community, he's pleading with both brother and sister, man and woman, to keep on your guard against anyone who is causing conflicts, who isn't causing conflict or enticing others to teach contrary to what you have already learned. Now, I think it's important to recognize this, is we can grow up, you know, for example, I grew up in the Catholic faith. Um, I tried confronting my mother at one point, and, you know, she's like, hey, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't judge my faith, or, you know, don't bring this up. It's like, okay, well, you know, I can't really go any further with this conversation. Um, because, you know, she's already made it that she wasn't, wasn't interested to hear. But um, my point here is, is, is a person who is in, in a false religious system, um, they, they've, they have this set structure of teachings of whatever it might be. Uh, you could be, if you be Catholic, you could be, uh, um, brain farts here. You could be a Jehovah's witness. You could be a Mormon. Uh, you could be Islam, whatever it is that you have here, whatever this false idea is, this false, uh, structure of teachings, you could be so, you could be, you could know that that is your structure and you could perceive that what Paul is saying here is anybody who's teaching um, contrary to what you already know 
in your Catholic faith, in your Muslim faith, in your Jehovah's Witness, in the Mormon faith, whatever it is that you have, if they're speaking contrary to that, then you could perceive that Paul is saying, don't listen to them because be on your guard. These people are causing conflict. These people are enticing others with contrary teachings from what you have already learned, from what you already know, but that's not the case here. Paul is talking to the Christian believers about the Christian doctrine, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about the true one, about uh, the one in which we have in what I was in the um, uh, Protestant Bible. What he's saying here is anybody who speaks contrary to what is already written in this book, in fact, he brings it up in Galatians, and I believe Jesus does also in Revelations. But anybody who speaks contrary to what we already have given you, be on your guard. And it says here, if these people, uh, if there are people like this in the church, stay away from them. If they're speaking contrary, if they're speaking heresy or, or, or misguided, intentionally misguided, there are some people, I myself have had uh, experiences like this, uh, whether it be my own misunderstanding or somebody else's misunderstanding. Um, if these people are intentionally giving you false information, then stay away from them. But if it's unintentional, if they misunderstand and they're simply thinking that they understand, um, you know, we got to teach them right there. But if they're intentionally giving you false information, stay away from them. They, they, are, they are dangerous in all aspects, not only to your own spiritual welfare, but the spiritual welfare of the entire community. It says in verse 18, these kind of people are not truly serving our Lord Jesus, the anointed. They have devoted their lives to satisfying their own appetites with smooth talking and well-rehearsed blessings so that they lead a lot of unsuspecting people down the wrong path. And I, that actually stood out to me as I was reading it right there because I had that experience. Um, you know, this uh, a pastor in which I used to uh, follow under uh, my previous church, uh, he, and I, I don't want to throw him under the bus too much, but I think this, to a degree might uh might apply uh you know we we can give essentially what we're doing here is we're giving a false representation of the christian character of of jesus christ when we simply give people what they want to hear and it and or even what's tickling to the ear so to speak um if it's smooth talk if they're you know they've got this charisma they can manipulate you you know don't take their words you know listen to what they say and i honestly tear apart what a person is saying and this isn't just a minister but this is anybody in general if somebody's talking to you and, and they're speaking smooth tear apart what they've said tear apart what do they really mean and even look at their character uh and not just in this in this instant but look at their character in their life do does their life match up with the words in which they're speaking if so then you know believe them if not don't believe them uh treat it as a lie and as paul already said here to stay away from these people because what will ultimately happen is they will lead you and many others down this wrong path first uh second corinthians uh 11, 13 gives us another example of this it says you know for such people are false apostles deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. And I think that's actually really important to recognize. Um, Satan himself, and this is something that I, I strongly teach, uh, that, I, that I have in my teachings and my ministry, that Satan himself is capable of masquerading around as an angel of the light. Satan is capable. He was once one of the most beautiful angels. Um, and I'm a little curious if he still is, if he still has that physical beauty, um, being that technically he is an angel, but he's fallen. Uh, but I... Uh, he, he, he manipulates the church. 
he can get in there. He can he can seem to do a good job. He can seem to be knowing the laws and knowing the scriptures and knowing what God has in place for us, but subtly giving us little bits and pieces that do not line up. Or you know, little it could be a teaching. It could be a teacher who's who's possibly presenting the word of God accurately, which is good, but at the same time in their character, in 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 their um, uh, what do I want to say in their lifestyle. Um, active, intentional lifestyle, stuff that they embrace in that says, oh yes, you know, I, I, I like to do these drinkings or I like to do all this stuff. Whatever it is that you can think that is contrary to righteousness, if they actively say, it's like, I enjoy this or I do this, um, and they take pride in it, you can kind of get a rough idea of, of who they are. Uh, and sometimes even you'll find the minister uh, or this, this person who is, who, is, who is a worker of Satan that does masquerade around as an angel of the light may not even do that. So you have to look deeper. You have to look at their character, uh, and it's very important to do. You know what this is? This is actually, uh, you know, what is the point of leading somebody astray? Um, the point of uh, leading somebody away from the true Christ. That's the that's the question right there. What's the point? It says this tactic is done throughout. This is my own commentary. This tactic is done throughout the different areas in the world. Uh, friendships, work relations, business partners, opportunities, and so on. Um, and when it comes down to the Christian faith, Satan himself uses this as, as a great tactic. He will take a kingdom down, and he will go from the inside. He will let the people go, he will let them dispute among themselves, um, and basically be their own undoing, tear themselves apart, leaving a church, casting someone out as a heretic, forming some new denomination, um, and thinking that we can do better than them. And this is, a, this is an idea that we can do better than this minister, we can do better than this, this follower, we can do better than this church that we are a part of, um, because we're not like them. We are better. This alone is, is, an, is a good example of how you can recognize that. But again, there are some churches, in fact, there's one that I'm following right now, um, actually, uh, the minister, John MacArthur, his stuff, he said that in a couple of his, it says that we, he likes to see that we're, they're doing a good job, and I completely agree. Um, this is based in California. I haven't been to the church, but according to his sermons, according to his ministry, uh, they're doing an excellent job. Um, and uh, so we need to recognize that there's some cases in which we can be better. Um, should we completely put our trophy up on the, up on the stand because of that? No. But... We need to recognize where we need to improve as well. Uh, number three here says to crave, they crave uh, control and they crave authority, rejecting feedback and accountability. Um, and this alone, this along also comes with pride, I think, um, because in our human nature, we could do that. Um, and, and me personally, in the, and my, my problem alone is when I'm, when I confronted with an issue, um, you know, I'll say it's like, well, you know, here, here, here's what it is. Here's my intention. I try to explain myself, um, and I don't realize it until later. Actually, I didn't realize it until, until recently, but that sometimes I can come off as trying to justify my actions, um, and I do, but I try to just justify it from a, a righteous standpoint, um, and I don't take into consideration how other people would perceive it. And some people might see it as rejecting feedback or rejecting this accountability. Um, or even uh, trying to find some means to justify myself as being right. Uh, this is actually something in which we all have, uh, in some way, that we all deal with. But um, the point of this here is that this is something that they are constantly doing. They're never wrong. They are, they are always right. They are always in control. They are always the leader. This is, this is how you can identify this. 
um, and they will they are never held accountable. Uh, Psalm 36 verse 2 says, For they flatter themselves, convinced their sin will remain a secret, undiscovered and so unhated. Um, <clears throat> you know, by keeping their personal lives a secret from others, they attempt to upkeep their righteousness. They, can, they, they attempt to still show themselves as good. Why? Because they have a fear of being exposed and thus falling off of their pedestal of pride. Uh, Jude 8, uh, again, there's only one chapter in Jude, so this is Jude verse 8. It says that these, uh, and these are uh, simply stories, uh, I'm sorry, this is actually verse 8 here. It says these stories are examples uh, to help you understand the fate of those dreamers who have slipped into and defiled our community, rejecting those in charge and insulting the glorious majesty of the heavenly messengers. Now there's three points here. Number one, you've got the dreamers who have slipped in, and these are the false believers, the apostates, the non-believers, however you would like to word that. These are referring to apostate preachers, the ones who have visions of their own glory, of what they will accomplish. Says, I've done all of this. Look at everything I've done. Look at how smart I am. Look at all the things I've done. Uh, look, at, uh, uh, look at all these things I've built. Look at the people I, I have brought together. This is the dreamer. This is the, the, the apostate believer. In fact, Nicodemus, I'm sorry, not Nicodemus, Nebuchadnezzar was guilty of that. I want you to actually check that out. Go back into the book of Daniel and read the story of Nebuchadnezzar. He was torn down because of his pride. Um, but this one, uh, this is one who may have the authority over people, but have no real intentions of carrying out the authority of God and his prophets. So and essentially what this could be, this could be a religious leader. This could be your pastor. It is possible that they are have been manipulating you. Um, and, it, and this isn't just uh, a pastor, but uh, it's a good example. But they, um, you know, they, 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 they want this authority. They want this leadership among this community in which they are a part of. But they have no intentions of listening to what God has put in play, what God has to say about things, and what God's prophets have to say. In fact, we, we see this. I, don't, I have not, I didn't write it down in this, but Jesus Christ gives a good example of this. It says, you know, how, how do you, um, uh, if the people are unwilling to listen to the words of Moses and the prophets, what makes you think they're going to listen when a miracle comes? Uh, I believe this is actually in Luke, the story of Lazarus and the rich ruler. Um, and the point of this is, if, if they're not listening now, what makes you think that they're going to listen then? Um, and likewise, it's the same concept. If they're not listening to what God has in place now, they're not going to listen to, or, or you know, if, if they're not going to listen to the ministers um, who are giving the word of God to the people in full, full detail, um, if they're not listening to the prophets, if they're not listening to what's already written down in the word of God, what makes you think they're going to listen when you give them some sort of advice or when you give them some sort of direction that is godly? It's not going to happen. Uh, number two says they reject those in charge. They reject the authority, the leaders. Um, the authority of the Lord is in view here and the word of God. Uh, as we've already said a little bit here, it says and the prophets, they, they reject this and they mock it, casting it off as the false teachings of their own. And the third point here says that they insult the glory of the heavenly messengers. They don't take any real consideration of them um, or God in which they follow. Uh, number four, we're going to wrap this up. We're kind of getting a actually 40 minute mark. I want to try to make this quick. Uh, we have number four here. It says these evil people, these wicked people, they demand mercy, but they are unwilling to give 
They're un- they're willing to give no mercy. Um, I've actually had this experience myself, and I was, as I said, I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about a pastor uh, in which I used to follow under because we had a dispute in which I tried to bring an issue up that appeared to be a part of the church, um, and, and and they were demanding mercy. I was accused of being unloving. In fact, we can talk more about this later. Um, I actually, we'll we'll do that next week. Actually, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what it means to be loving. Uh, I've talked to my wife, uh, not my wife. Uh, uh, looking forward to her being my wife, but um, there's no proposal yet. Um, but I've talked to my girlfriend about this, about the concept of love, um, what it means to be loving. Um, but you know, the, these people who 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 accuse you of being unloving, and I think we really need to look in that a little bit more, and we will. So I'm going to try to keep this short. But these people demand warmth, they demand forgiveness, they demand intimacy, they demand gentleness. Um, you know, from those in which they have offended. But when it comes to giving gentleness, when it comes to giving warmth, forgiveness, and intimacy, they're unwilling to give it. You know, they find some way to justify their actions. You know, some of the things in which they could say is like, well, it's a cruel world that we live in. Or they've got to learn sometime or whatever else that you might come up with. Uh, Proverbs 21.10 tells us that the wicked people delight in doing bad things. They delight. They take pleasure in this. They take pleasure in their own sin. They take pleasure in their pride, their self-righteousness, uh, their faults. They take place in the in the the the, fault, the disgusting jokes in which they might come up with, or they share. Uh, they take pride in in making other people look bad. Whatever it is that you might can, that you can think of that the that the, this is what the wicked person is. And no, this isn't saying that the Christian per- that this person's a Christian, but they just do bad. No, this is simply saying that in the eyes of God, they are a wicked, unregenerate person who, unless they change, they will be condemned. Um, but it says that the w- wicked people delight in doing bad things, and their neighbors never see even a hint of compassion. You know, with the exception of some sort of personal gain, as I've already said, the wicked takes pride in doing these things. Uh, and when it comes to performing good deeds and giving some uh, giving some money or cooking meals for another, they don't do any of this unless there is some sort of personal gain out of it. Uh, they're you know they're they're not even there to be a friend to talk to, uh, and they will find some means to blow it off and to not give it a second thought. Uh, number five here says here the conscience or there is no conscience. Um, or remorse, and I don't have any for a passage for you on this one. Um, I ran out of time to put these notes together, uh, and I actually thought I had them all put together, but apparently I didn't. So it's good that we finished up on number five. It says they have no conscience or remorse. You know, in, in their sins, um, failed or offensive, there is no guilt. There is no remorse. They don't take any. They don't. There's no guilt for their wrongdoings. That's that's essentially what we're getting at. But rather, they find some means, as I said, to turn around as a joke or simply laugh at all. You know, and perhaps even say, it's like, well, I'm only human. Or we're all, you know, everybody has these failings. You're right. Everybody has these failings. But you can't say you're only human. Because, you know, to the to the one who is of the body of Christ, the one who's been reborn, the one who in the eyes of God is considered righteous, they says, well, I'm not only human. I'm of the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God. I don't I don't need to be like this. This was a human flaw. This is This is what Paul would say that he's disgusted with, that he completely agrees with the law of God. Um, and, and that's the importance right there is there's there's a lot of difference and we'll get into next week of what it means to be righteous what it means to uh, the the identity of righteousness but um, there's a lot of ways in which you can identify the wicked person 
Now, it needs to be known that before you say, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that person just did one of these five things in which Billy himself uh, made known. We need to first recognize that in human nature, even the most righteous person will still fall into sin. Um, this person will fall, perhaps even even having, um, you know, they might say some, you know, smoke and mirrors. Uh, actually, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I'd say probably, you know, having a little bit of control power, uh, rejecting feedback might be a uh, human uh, fault in which uh, the righteous person would have. Uh, withholding information. And I think most of this uh, applies to the wicked, but some of it, not all of it, some of it could also apply to the righteous who does fall into this sin. Um, and that's really all we have for you today. Uh, again, I want to let you all know that next week we're going to be getting into what it means to be a righteous person. What is the identity of a righteous being? Somebody who has been reborn of the Spirit of God. Uh, and on top of that, that same evening, next week, we're going to have our second episode of Faith in Focus. We're going to bring Leonard on board. Uh, and we're going to discuss a few things as well. Um, and, you know, perhaps even get your guys' feedback. I've got a couple questions in which came out to some friends. Uh, or from friends uh, that we're going to probably be sharing a little bit as well. So I hope you guys enjoy these. I hope you enjoy these broadcasts. And if you'd like to, get a hold of us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, perhaps even let me know of, um, you know, if you'd like to come on board to join up with this ministry, you're more than welcome to. Uh, we could use a couple people in some areas uh, that which I've already mentioned. Um, let us know what you have available. Um, you know, and uh, also another thing, uh, if you do enjoy these minutes, if you enjoy, do, um, tongue-tied here. If you enjoy what you're listening to, uh, what you're watching online, uh, do, please do consider becoming a financial subscriber to this ministry. Uh, we could definitely use the financial contribution to help offset our costs, our expenses uh, that we have over here, as well as help us to accomplish more, uh, to get licensing for programs, and to give more, as we said earlier in this video, in the beginning of it, uh, Patrick, he's in need of some help as well. So uh, we would like to provide more for him. Um, and if you'd like to do that and get updates for that, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, you're not you're not required to, but uh, as I said, you know it'd be good. And all of it is 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 you know for God's glory. And I I, I want to let you all know that um, this isn't our game. Um, this is uh, we already have plans, and which we'll we'll share in the future. We'll share with those who actually who do subscribe uh, in this new, uh, newsletter, which will be given out next month. Not next month, but uh, January, February, March. In March, we'll be giving that out. Um, We'll be giving a little insight as far as how the structure of the financial planning goes. Uh, we've got a little bit uh, more details in which we got to provide. Um, that's really all I have here. I'm rambling. Uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Uh, and it is, I believe, awesome. Okay, so the snow is somewhat cleared up. And that's kind of why we did this earlier because I wasn't able to get to church because of that. Um, we're going to go try to attempt to shovel my driveway. Uh, without further ado, questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to get a hold of me whenever you have, uh, whatever commentary you have. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, without, without further ado, you guys have yourself a wonderful weekend, and God bless. You all take care.